Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Omnia Performance Podcast with Dr. Phil Price. Alongside the doctor is myself, Fergus Crawley, and myself, Johnny P. Today, we are going to give you an overview of everything you need to know from a high-level point of view on energy systems, what you need to understand, how you can apply it in broader terms, just so you're a little bit more informed about why we program the way you do, how you can understand things a little bit more with your programming, whether you're a coach or an athlete. Bit of housekeeping. First, and most excitingly, we have launched Omnia Performance's online community. So if you are an existing athlete of ours, you can join and get involved there. Lots of opportunities to share what you're doing, share your goals, introduce yourself. There's a chat room, there's specific chat rooms for each training plan. So you can get guidance from our community of athletes worldwide. As well as that, we have a premium offering in there, which is very much focused on education. And that is where Dr. Phil comes in as he is on board as a consultant to give us a monthly lecture with a focus on specific topics as we go. We'll be sharing the sort of annual syllabus on social media and in our mailing list, so please do make sure to get involved there. Links to both are down in the show notes below. Johnny and I will be going through monthly seminars. We'll be doing a live Q&A. There are research databases, premium chat rooms, premium podcast features all in there. So if you are bought in to Omnia Performance, we are, obviously, but some of you might be as well, then please do get involved as we would love to have you there. Alongside that, do all the podcast stuff. Follow, hit subscribe, share with a friend, rate and review, blah de blah de blah Thank you very much. Anyway, we're going to kick things off by jumping straight into a discussion on energy systems. So Phil, why don't you run us through, in as simple and succinct terms as possible, what are the energy systems that we should bear in mind for hybrid training? Well, I guess you've Instead of going through like, oh, what the difference between the PCR system, the uh, anaerobic uh, glycolytic system and the aerobic system, let's try and see it a little bit more differently as in to put it into two groups. So let's say you've got, uh, you're exercising, so you're either going to utilize or generate energy aerobically, so where you're utilizing oxygen, or you're going to generate energy uh, anaerobically, where you're utilizing either substrates, glycogen, all that type of thing. So you could be exercising uh, at a certain pace uh, and it might be under a particular threshold, for example, or to a particular area. So you probably rate running or cycling, whatever it might be, at a particular steady state. Uh, and because of that, your body is in a process where it can utilize the oxygen to generate the energy to, to keep going, essentially. If you start to increase that intensity, there'll be a certain portion where the, the body will require to develop energy more quickly uh, and we'll start to utilize other sources where it starts to you know utilize um, anaerobic sources um, so that's kind of how i see it if you start to um, exercise as soon as possible the body especially when it's particularly fast maybe it's quite explosive then the body will try and generate energy very quickly so it tends to rely on uh, more anaerobic processes but the longer that goes on you know the more the body gets um into more of a steady state, depending on what you're doing, it will start to utilize uh, more oxygen to generate that energy. So I know people have often seen the uh, graph where, okay, if you're running, if you're exercising above like 30 seconds to a minute, it's more aerobic, uh, three minutes, it's more aerobic, anything less than that, it's more anaerobic. Really, it's, it's not quite that. Usually, um, both are operating at the same time, just at completely different levels, depending on what you're actually doing. Um, and how long you've been going for. So, you know, for example, like you could be exercising for two hours, 
if you get to a point where you start to really struggle, the body will start to recall anaerobic processes to generate more energy. So to say that two hours work is just aerobic technically could be right for some, but it could be wrong for others. So it's a bit of a relationship between duration, intensity, uh, and uh, your ability to recover uh, what kind of energy systems that you will use. But ultimately, you will tend to use energy systems that will utilize oxygen for generating energy, and then uh, you've got anaerobic uh, energy systems which, which don't. So that's kind of the, the difference between the two. I'm glad that you've put it into two distinct groupings because there is a sliding scale within both of those, but for purposes of understanding and programming, it's much simpler looking at it in those broader spectrums because the way that we have always managed volume and intensity and how I've learned it from the methodology you built over the years, Johnny, is sort of looking at those two groups. This is where we come into consolidating stresses, consolidating the demands, understanding that within one of those groups, there's probably a bit more of a concentration of anaerobic work, but we don't need to get too much into the nitty gritty of whether it's creatine phosphate system or anything like that. So it allows us to have a clear idea of what the training stimulus is and then program accordingly, doesn't it? Exactly that, mate. Yeah, what we're looking at and what what Phil's describing is that there are there are certain uh, parameters that we're looking at when we look at programming. So there's certain outcomes that we want from a session. So if we look at each particular session that we're doing, we, we want to say, okay, what do we get want to get from that session? And in order to be able to establish what we want from that session, we have to then kind of consider those energy systems and consider whether or not uh, we're working at one end of that scale or the other end of the scale. And I guess it's important to, to kind of underline what Phil's saying as well, is that rather than looking at it as being a kind of a almost similar to our interference uh, uh, effect discussion, rather than looking at it as being an on-off switch between one and the other. There's kind of interactions between the both of them, but we can kind of establish, as I say, during any session plan, what it is that we want to to work specifically to try and adapt. And and, uh, we kind of tend to look at that with athletes, I think it's fair to say, on, on, on a sliding scale of intensity. And, uh, and that's how we're kind of using the energy systems in order to incorporate our methodology, methodological process of consolidating those stresses. I've had conversations on social media where there's been a bit of nitpickiness on, well, yeah, that's intense, but it's in this energy system and not that one. And therefore yeah. you can't group those things the same because if you separated them, then you recover from them in this way and that way. But whilst some of that may be valid, it's almost a level of nitpickiness that we encourage people to avoid from a programming point of view because it can make things impractical when you're trying to balance discipline. So as Phil's said, without any rehearsal or us even aligning on our thoughts on this beforehand, so that's very good news, I must say, (laughs) is that it means that we can look at things in broader terms and therefore look at the bigger picture, the sum of the outputs over time, and understand how the individual athlete is responding within that context. So if we're going to keep it really simple and actually ask the question, what does this mean? Phil, how should be how should people let's take somebody that's new to hybrid training. Let's take somebody that's come from a a recreational sport background. So whether it's rugby, five side football, they've done a bit of resistance training because they saw somebody in a struggle vest in twenty twelve and thought, yeah, I'll do that. And they want to actually start to build themselves across disciplines. What are the considerations around energy systems that they should bear in mind? And what are the things that they probably shouldn't bother worrying about until further down the line? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's such an interesting question because it's you can take so many different directions with that. I think. Um, I, I think I'd at first, and I think it aligns with a lot of the stuff that you guys do. Um, 
I would try and get them used to using like an RPE value. Uh, so, and what I mean by that is say, let's just say it's the endurance work. Uh, their RPEs in terms of their uh, intervals um, will be like, say, eight to nine. We're, we're making the assumption that if they are performing an RPE interval of around nine, that they are going to be uh, working incredibly hard, that they would ultimately cross a threshold. That means that if they operate over that threshold, they've kind of got like a limited battery of energy to be able to use. So rather than measuring where that threshold is, we're, we're making the assumption that if you work this hard uh, for a particular uh, interval, you would be entering that stage or what's known as the severe domain, domain, not domain, domain. Um, and then once you kind of get used to that, you have a better understanding of what an RP value in terms of endurance work would be for like, say, seven or six or, or five. Um, and then because of that, we can get them used to working longer intervals where they are still working pretty hard, but they're getting into a, a steady state. So their ability to generate energy, which generates certain waste products, so let's say lactate, uh, equals the amount that's being cleared by the blood or then reused by the muscle for energy. Um, so that's probably how I would start to someone that's brand new to it because one is going over that threshold and you know those intervals will probably involve more anaerobic processes for energy whereas if we stay below that threshold we are relying more on aerobic uh, processes for energy um, you know and that's just by using like a perception of effort rather than actually measuring something specific so i think that's a good start and i also think the skill of utilizing an rpe value um, is really quite difficult so it's good to get used to that early yeah. so that's probably where i would go yeah i think i think from a program perspective uh, and, and you probably knew this to be the case as, as we'd agree with that is that you know when somebody's fresh into this even bombarding them with the the detail that, that we're trying to share here about you know the fossil creating system versus the aerobic system what are the different you know etc cetera, etc cetera. as you say it's worth saying okay look we're going to get you on a on a watt bike, for example, and we want you to consider the the RPM to be X, and we'll maintain that at maybe arbitrarily, maybe ninety or something. So for this second set, we want you working at an RPE nine. So push to the point at which you feel like you can only continue for 30, 40 seconds. That might take a few sets when somebody's new to it. You know, they might go so hard that they can only last five seconds, but. That's the learning curve that we'd hope they go through until they can eventually find these points. Then from there, as you say, we can kind of, as coaches, reverse engineer that somewhat and start looking at that maybe from a power perspective. Say, okay, can you feedback what the power was when you hit these particular numbers? And that gives us an opportunity to kind of create that session plan, etc. But as you say, getting used to that RPE, even in very experienced athletes, uh, I think we can all agree we, we've found is that you can say to somebody, we want you to work relatively hard today, you know, thinking that that's just a kind of a throwaway comment as a coach, don't go too heavy, don't, or go easy is the one that we can say quite often to people and their interpretation of easy is way, way different to what we actually want it to be. So kind of allowing people to understand, there's Mike Tyson butting in there for a second, apologies. For reference, that's Johnny's ringtone. Uh, ringtone. It's Mike Tyson saying, hey, I broke my back. <laughs> if anyone's wondering, to save Josh cutting this, let's just, let's just let's nip just it in the bud, it. acknowledge it's it, tackle it head it. on and move on. <laughs> so 
Uh, yeah, instead of uh, actually saying to somebody, listen, just go easy, uh, we, we, we can go through a process of, of having them understand those different parameters. And I think that's, that's an interesting thing with the energy systems. Uh, it's not a, a scale, but the way I look at it is kind of a spectrum, is, is this kind of continuum where you can say perhaps at one end there's this ultimate, you know, complete full intensity that's impossible to continue for more than about three seconds or your head will pop off. And at the other end, you, you're kind of doing nothing but sitting and watching Netflix or whatever, something boring. And in between there, you can start to mark these things. But you can mark it with RPE. You can mark it with uh, physiological uh, um, testing, obviously. Uh, you can mark, mark it with, with uh, metrics such as power, pace, etc., etc. And what we probably want for people is to have uh, an overall understanding of why we're actually doing these things, which is why the energy systems become important, even from an athlete who doesn't really want to know too much detail. They say, well, we're working it for this reason, or we're working it for that reason. But then how to, from a coaching perspective, how to translate that to somebody without them having to sit and, okay, so Johnny wants me to work in, in this kind of sub-threshold glycotic capacity today. What does that actually bloody mean? We can just say... RPE seven for two minutes, whatever it might be. You know? Yeah, and ultimately, it's developing them in a parameter that allows them to become become become. Oh my god, rats on! Um, become more efficient within that parameter, which overall will develop them within that. Means their tolerance for that threshold will be increased. Their actual the supporting energy systems around it will therefore increase. And I think that's something that's important to mention because a question I've heard a lot and seen discussed. Unbelievable, Johnny. We're in a podcast room. Your phone should be off. <laughs> I really this is terrible behaviour. Okay. Huh. Okay. Oh, I'm a professional now. There we go. Um, why am I doing intervals? I'm training for an ultra. That's something I've seen a lot. Yeah. Online. Yeah. Or people saying, "Oh, well, you don't need to because it's that." But ultimately, these energy yeah, systems. Get the same. Sorry, I cut across with the same thing from from my old world is from a combat sports athlete. Yeah, so yeah. Why on earth would I be doing this slow, steady aerobic work when when I really want to go? You know. Same story, cup. Yeah. No, no, not at all. Not at all. It's, there's countless examples. Or, for example, my first squat challenge, I had lots of people message me saying, well, why are you still training upper body? It's a lower body event. There's, there's lots of things to consider. And ultimately, my upper body is part of my kinetic chain. It's part of my ability to maintain tightness, all these obvious things. But from an energy system point of view, they all support one another. And Phil, you've already mentioned that there's a spectrum of how much one is supporting the other. But what is important for people to understand? Let, let's answer the question. Why is it important to maintain some level of intensity when you're training for an ultra? Uh, what I would, why I would include intervals for someone training for an ultra be a lot from developing efficiency, from developing more physical qualities of the musculoskeletal system really i'm, mm. I'm going to use it as more of a an snc session because if i want to be incredibly efficient at a lower speed which is what you're trying to maintain over a long period of time i need to have uh, like a let's just look at the ankle complex i need to have uh tendons and muscles that are able to deal with that uh, force over a long period of time uh, and i might choose to develop those tissue qualities by uh overexposing it to higher speeds to develop yeah it's like a snc session yeah, yeah so i mean certainly every, every time people see someone running they just assume that you're training the uh you know you're in either anaerobic or aerobic capacities but really you're it's you can develop you can use it as an snc session as well and develop the physical qualities of your body as well so that's why i would definitely include that 
in uh, in an uh, endurance training program, or especially for an ultra, I think it's really essential and something they probably don't do enough. Similar to Johnny, your example with the MMA athletes, uh, athletes not doing enough low intensity work. Uh, yeah. I was having a conversation with someone not too long ago where they described how if you've got certain athletes, and it seems to happen a lot more with CrossFit athletes where they only do high intensity work, even when they do low intensity work, their lactate, um, blood lactate shoots up as if it crosses over lactate threshold one. So they can't stay in that area where um, the, uh, they are below lactate threshold. You know, that easy work you're supposed to do. When they try and do easy work, it's assuming that the body reacts as if it's doing tempo work yeah. when it isn't. So that, that's a really important physiological, let's call it a skill, to develop. And a lot of the times, if you don't train that, the body won't be able to um, develop it. So then you get this problem where, yes, we've got these two thresholds. I know we haven't really explained them in this, in this podcast, but ideally you want both to move, shift in a certain direction. Whereas if you're only training high intensity work, they're going to split up like that. So you've got one example where you probably should be doing more high intensity work. And then you've got another where they should be doing more low intensity work because of how they balance each other out. CrossFit is a fantastic example because whenever we have CrossFit athletes come on and put them through a low intensity steady state test off the back of a lactate threshold heart rate test, just to sort of clarify the parameters... Tough. They often say running nine minute, 30 miles. Oh, I felt like I was walking. When in reality, mm. you can run up to about 13 and a half, 14 minute miles, depending on limb, limb, limb length and things. But I think the important thing to cover is why it's so important to build that aerobic capacity and what people might yeah. be missing out on by not say, doing so. Let's reframe the question or, or, or give another context and then, then perhaps, Phil, you can describe what's going on in terms of that. And, and what you started off with, this would be a nice circle, I think, uh, when we work with strength athletes predominantly, let's look at powerlifters. And really, I think people are, are kind of warming up to this idea. We have to do this kind of um, mm. hard sell, if you like, a, a little bit less now, which is great because of podcasts like your own and, and, and like ours and, and uh, a few others. Huberman's talking about it quite a lot as well. Yeah, people are just becoming more and more uh, accepting of, the, of this concept. But we would have powerlifters um, doing zone two work, so sort of very straightforward aerobic work. So we're right down that end of the scale. Um, and the one thing that they found was that they were, um, apart from obvious kind of lifestyle stuff, that they weren't now, as the Americans say, winded just going up the stairs or throwing their kids about and all the rest of it, which is great kind of positive feedback. They're actually capable of performing uh, or, or putting in more volume within a given training session. So even though the the um, the energy system capacity that they're actually working in when they when they do their powerlifting specific training hasn't really changed all that much. They're now able to do more uh, because of their aerobic capacity. Can you explain a, a little bit uh, uh, what's happening there and, and, and what the interaction is kind of in that energy systems process that allows the anaerobic or that you know that end of the scale to to recover better. Mm. I think there's probably several different directions it could go with how they benefit each other. I'd like to think by doing very long, uh, low intensity work kind of builds up the low intensity capacity of the tissues. So because of that, even though they're doing high intensity stuff for their main work, the ability to do low intensity stuff helps it recover more quickly yeah. from the stress that the high intensity stuff puts it under. Um, another thing I think 
really helps the heavy lifting, which I don't know gets talked about much, is the low intensity stuff will help teach the muscles relax. Ultimately, when the muscle contracts, you know, it develops tension and then it relaxes. And that's really important because uh, blood flow is obviously going to the muscle. Uh, and every time you develop tension, which you have to for producing force, uh, that sort of sarcomere will start pushing against the capillary. So its ability to uh, transfer oxygenated blood gets impaired um, only temporarily because it relaxes and it moves again. But if you have a poor ability to contract and then relax, so for example, you can probably feel it. Some people are just very good at developing hypertrophy, so they feel that that like pump yeah. at the end. Like that's the muscle at the, the peripheral level not being very good at um, relaxing, so the blood flow is not as good. Um, so that's great for hypertrophy, but not very good for endurance. So that in turn, I think, helps improve the sort of recoverable capacity of the of the muscle itself because it's retaught itself to contract and relax rather than just stay in tension for too long uh, and then they that limits the sort of energy supply that can actually feed that muscle so um, I think that's something that's really quite developing at the moment and probably why something like cycling would be really beneficial to a power lifter because um, it's a bit more localized when it comes to the yeah. fatigue in the yeah. area that's developing there's a less of like this huge eccentric component which might be more fatiguing coming from the, the cns uh, and they're heavy so that's gonna <laughs> increase the amount of like cns fatigue that's gonna happen so um i think those are the probably the two off the top of my head there's probably a few more that would help in turn improve the recoverability of the muscle when it comes to a powerlifter incorporating more zone two work in their training. Yeah, that's certainly, th those two certainly sit at the top of the priority list when we're going back to that quote unquote hard sell. When we're trying to explain to people, you know, even if it's just conversational, you know, we say to talking to a powerlifter, we, we get the opportunity now to talk to a lot of people in a lot of different sports and we might just be saying, listen, you know, a little bit of advice would be if you could incorporate some some aerobic work into, into your workout, whether, whether it's hybrid or not, it's irrelevant, just a little bit more aerobic work you're probably going to find the quality of your sessions is better, the volume, you can, and as you say, you're actually experiencing some physiological return there that's that's beneficial mm. at both ends of the scale. And it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see, to hear rather uh, from, a, from a more uh, physiological perspective how you see that working. Yeah, I think... Um, we're training oh, the heart as well, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Because skeletal muscle is completely different to cardiac muscle. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you need that opportunity to train that and that, is done by performing low intensity work over a long period of time. Yeah. Um, otherwise the heart doesn't respond in the way a, a skeletal muscle would, which is like yeah. short, sharp, intense bouts of stress. Very proactive and practical health recommendation for us all to finish with. I think well, that, really, absolutely. that's, yeah. that's kind of where we, where we've landed with it a lot of times is, you know, whether, you know, if, if you can see moderate or even only, you know, a minor benefit, but no negative impact from aerobic training. But as I said earlier on, you, you're able to climb the stairs and throw your kids about and go for a walk and maybe run for the bus that you might have been missing without... Important, without important clarification, throw your kids about in a loving way. In a loving way, yeah. Not yeah, down absolutely. the stairs see, or anything see like how that. You see how you can fire them in the air without... Oh, run, without run, forgetting them. <laughs> All those things, yeah, yeah, they contribute to a positive lifestyle. And, and uh, I think that's a, a huge factor for us, for, for, uh, for what we want from people. So I think in, people. in summary... 
all the energy systems support one another in one way or another, which is why they're important to train concurrently. And there are no real negatives up to a certain point before an individual would like to specialize where training across disciplines and energy systems would be sort of a, a negative interference. Obviously, if you're trying to be a 100-meter sprinting world championship and doing six-hour runs at the weekend isn't going to get you there. But for, for general purposes, the energy systems all support one another. We're not going to get bogged down in the weeds of talking about mTOR and all the things that go on there because that's going to be in Omnia Performance's online members community, which the details for which are down in the show notes below, where Phil's going to do a lecture on exactly that. So we'll go into more detail there, but we hope that given we hope that's given you an overview of what actually really matters in terms of considering from an athletic point of view and a programming point of view so that you can bear that in mind for your training moving forwards. So just a quick reminder that if you would like to get bogged down in the weeds in the detail and would like to know all of the real focused nuances of this conversation, then please do head to the members community where you can access our range of education offerings and we will see you there. Other than that, please do remember to rate and review the show, hit follow or subscribe and make sure to tune in next time. Thank you from myself. Thank you from myself. And thank you from myself. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say Phil self there. Just I had it in my head. Phil but anyway, self. thanks. Thanks very much, Phil, as ever. And we'll see you next thank time. You guys. That's good. See you next time.